Hey everyone, before we get started with this next episode, I do want to provide just a quick disclaimer. This episode's going to touch on some topics that can be pretty triggering if you're going through it right now. So I do just want to give a little warning that this topic is going to touch on eating disorders, self-harm, and some suicidal ideology. So if you're someone that you struggle with any of those things, just please keep that in mind. Take care of yourself first and foremost, as always, so we can learn to survive the suck together. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Surviving the Suck podcast. We are edging the end of season two, and it's just been such a great journey. We started this season in June of 2021, and we are finally nearing the end. And so I just want to thank everyone who's listened. I know that we've expanded our listenership into different countries. We're in 17 different countries now. And uh, I guess the podcast is really popular in Germany which I have no idea how that even happened. But to all of you surviving the suck all over the world, just want to say I'm so proud of you. Keep surviving, keep fighting. You are strong and you are warriors. So today, speaking of warriors, I have another one with me. I have another guest who I am extremely inspired by. I actually gave a talk. It was a few weeks ago. And after the talk, this young woman just got up and was like, I need to tell my story and just told it. And I I've never seen anything like it. And I was just so inspired. And right then and there, I was like, you are coming on my podcast. And so everyone today I have with me, Ellie Stasinski, right? Yes. Okay. My podcast listeners. Yeah. They, they know that I struggle with names. So I'm sorry. (laughs) I just completely butchered that. I thought I was going to be better, but Ellie Stasinski. Okay. Okay. There we go. I got it a little bit. But Ellie is just such a gift and a bright light in this world and just someone that we really need more of in this world. She is actually part of the FIRO sorority, which was the same sorority that I was in at Augustana College, and that's how we met. So I am super excited to have her today. And Ellie, I'm going to have you introduce a little bit more just so my listeners can get to know you better. Okay. So I'm Ellie Sazinski. I go to Augustana College. I'm in FIRO. Um, Haley was in FIRO. Um, yeah, so Haley gave her little talk at our meeting and I just felt so inspired to tell my story because stuff that she said in her talk just really resonated with me. And it's stuff that like I said in a speech that I gave two years ago. Um, so it's just like, I had to say it and I was shaking a lot. I, it, I was nervous, but, you know, I just, it felt right. And all the girls were there. I made people cry. I was like, I didn't even notice it while I was, you know, talking, but um, it was just, it just felt right. And I'm happy I did it. So. Yeah, that that's so beautiful. And you did such a good job articulating you. your story. I mean, it, it was so beautiful the way that you spoke it and Something that you said just now really hit me is you said you, you were shaking as you told your story, yeah. you know, and, and I've always said to people, use your voice, even if it shakes, because you never know who's going to need to hear it. And I think there were a lot of people in that room who needed to hear that from you. So I applaud you and I commend you for it because speaking up, it's, it takes a lot of courage. It's not easy. So I definitely commend you for it. Thank you. So, you know, the the talk that I gave was really about mental health and it was really about surviving the suck, which is something that we talk a lot about on this podcast. And so something that I've kind of been thinking about lately, and I'm curious to get your thoughts on this is 
why is mental health more important to talk about now more than ever? Personally, I think it is extremely important because our society today is full of social media. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, social media is half the stuff you see on Instagram, um, Twitter, whatever, like is photoshopped, fake, and it's not real. It's really not real. And our minds just think it's real because it looks so real, but it's, it's not half the time and half the stuff you see on the internet, like don't do this to lose weight or don't do that. Like it's, that's not real either. Mm-hmm. And especially now during COVID, like we're stuck more, you know, inside. Um, and a lot of stuff isn't open still. And it's like, we're stuck to social media. Like mm-hmm. people are constantly on their phones And if we're constantly feeding our minds with, you know, everything that's on our Instagram feed and everything um, that we see on the internet, it's going to turn our mindset into, I need to be like that, or I need to do this. And that's what, you know, people are resorting to. Mm -hmm. And it's just so common nowadays to do that, especially with TikTok. I can go on and on on TikTok. I have TikTok. Um, sometimes I catch my mind, you know, falling into, oh my gosh, she's so pretty. I wish I looked like that, Mm -hmm. you know, like stuff like that. But then I catch myself. I'm like, you know what? Like, stop. Like, there's so many tricks and stuff on TikTok. Like, apparently you can Photoshop videos now. I did not know. Like, you can Photoshop moving videos. I did not know. Oh my gosh. I didn't know that either. How is that even possible? Yeah. So that's a thing now wow. too. So people can Photoshop their videos and it's like, oh. now it's like, I don't really believe half the stuff I see, you know? Well, no. And it also teaches not only ourselves, but everyone around us that you're never going to be good enough because these filters, the Photoshop, it, it's not, ne- it's not real. Like you said. So mm-hmm. we're, trying to live up to an expectation that isn't even real you know and and that's what's so crazy about all this is when are we ever going to get to the point in society where we don't hold up a bar for people to measure up to instead we hold up a mirror to show Mm -hmm. everyone more of who they are I mean it just feels like we have completely just asked people to go in this direction that when we expect people to just not even be who they are And it's so weird to me. Like you have to be a certain standard. You have to look this way. You have to act this way. It's odd because we, we lose our uniqueness in that. Mm -hmm. So, and especially for people who already have self-esteem issues or have been bullied or whatever it is. And then, like you said, you get on social media and now more than ever, we're on it all the time. It's just fascinating because there are studies that link young women, especially that, with the rise of social media, suicide rates in young women have actually risen along with the usage of social media. So there's definitely some sort of correlation there and you can see it in the statistics. And what's so heartbreaking about that is it's the, we're not talking about statistics. We're talking Mm -hmm. about people Mm -hmm. and how many people have we lost to just the expectations that are put on online? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's heartbreaking, but 
yeah. you know, it, and that's why we need people like you to share your story because I think your story really can resonate with, especially a lot of young women today in America, because unfortunately I don't think your story or my story even is uncommon. There are so many people who struggle with this. And so my question for you is, has there ever been a moment in your life where you've had to survive the suck yourself and how did you get through it? Wow. (laughs) I've had many moments in my life. Um, So the first time I've ever dealt with any mental illness was when I was in seventh grade and it was, I didn't know what I was going through because it wasn't talked about in school. Mm -hmm. And I never had an education around mental illness and I never, I just thought it was normal. Um, So I developed an eating disorder, um, anorexia, Mm -hmm. and I just never knew I had it. I just naturally started losing more weight. Everyone around me got concerned, but I didn't see like a difference. Mm -hmm. I just thought I was healthy. I was in three sports. I was in basketball and I just remember eating so little and then going to a basketball game where I would play the whole time and just not give myself and my body the nutrients it needed. Um, So when it really hit me is when my sisters, they're both in the medical field. So they really you know, they really care about me and they know about this stuff. So it was like Easter and my whole family was like, you look like a walking skeleton. And I know that's like bad to say, because at that time it just made me feel more guilty. And like families sometimes just don't know what to say. And, you know, um, and at the time, you know, they did say some of the wrong things, but I gave them, you know, the benefit of the doubt now looking back at it because they, you know, it's a tough situation. Sometimes they don't know what to say. Mm -hmm. Um, But all that mattered is that they were there for me and cared for me. And so they brought me after Easter. They're like, we, they, they needed to take matters into their own hands. I was a seventh grader. I didn't know what I was doing. Um, So they took me to the doctor and I got a checkup and she took my weight, my BMI. Um, and everyone was just so concerned. And then she comes back into the room and, um, she also took my EKG and she comes back into the room and she gives me a whole pamphlet. And it said, my BMI was very, very low for my white, my weight and height range. And, she said, um, she gave me a paper saying that you have anorexia. And I was like, what is, I was like, no, I don't. Because when I thought about that, I thought about like, you know, just these like very skinny, skinny girls. And when I was in that state, I didn't think of myself like that, Mm -hmm. even though my BMI was so low that like, I could have just dropped dead literally on the floor. And I just did not, I just did not realize it. So then um, I kind of just was in denial. I told my parents, I'm like, no, like, I don't have that. What are, you know, 
I don't have anorexia. What are they talking about? And um, we get a call from the doctor that night after we leave the um, the doctor's office. And she goes, your EKG results came back. Like you need to go to the ER right now. Like your EKG, like your um, EKG is so low right now. Like your heart rate's at, it was literally like 30 at 30. It was very, very low. Um, and they're like, you need to go to the ER. My parents rushed me to the ER. My whole family was there um, just like taking care of me. Um, and it was actually, we went to a ER that had a mental hospital um, right next to it. It was like connected, but okay. a separate hospital. And so I got checked. I had to stay there for a couple hours to stabilize my heart rate. And basically from that night, they told me, we're going to admit you into the mental hospital that we have connected. Um, and I was like, okay, I guess like at this point I can't really do much. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I went to the mental, um, to the, it's called the behavioral health hospital, I should say the behavioral health hospital. And I was there and I was scared. I remember walking in and my first day, this is a, like, I think it's funny looking back at it, but it's a strict program. And a lot of viewers may have been in a behavioral health hospital before. And so they understand, you know, what it's like. Um, so the first day I walk in there and I walk in right at mealtime, right at mealtime. So I have to like eat lunch with all these dietitians and fellow um, people that are struggling with like mental health as well. And I remember walking straight into the salad bar, right when I went to the, went to the cafeteria and everyone was staring at me. They're like, what is this girl doing? They're like, she is going to get, cause you know, at the hospital, you have to have like a strict meal plan, especially mm -hmm. if you're underweight. I went straight to the salad bar. I grabbed a plate and put lettuce and filled it with lettuce. And the dietitian walked up to me and said, no, 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 throw that away right now. And I was like, who does this girl think she is? I was like, I was mad because, you know, going through that, you're just angry all the time. You're just yeah. angry and hungry and you just don't know how to feel. You have one priority and it's just to be the skinniest you can be. That's your priority. Wow. And it was just a long journey in there. And I went in and out of inpatient. So I had to get, you know, intensive care up there and stay overnight. Um, I then I went back to PHP. So I went to inpatient about three times when I was in the eating disorder um, program. And I went through PHP about like four times between the transitions. So I was there for like three months. I never, I finished seventh grade, but I was never there with my friends to finish it. Mm. I took um, all my classes online and the hospital. Um, I had like a teacher there and 
I never got to see my friends. And then over the summer, they're like, where were you? And I just, you know, I think everyone kind of realized where I was because I went from being so fragile to gaining like 30, 40 pounds over three months. So people probably realized, you know, she probably got some sort of treatment, you know, because I was not healthy. And, you know, looking back at it, I was not. But in the in the moment, I thought it was fine. Yeah. So from that point on, um, I, you know, got out of that program. And, you know, I was healthy physically, but still not mentally. I just kind of ate my way out in a sense. I'm like, you know, I'm going to have to gain weight at this point. You know, I might as well just do it as fast as I can so I can just leave or whatever. Um, so I was, I still struggled throughout the years and I got into high school and I did cheerleading, which was not <laughs> probably the most, um, the best sport for my mental health, I would say, because cheerleading is very focused on weights and being the smallest and fitting into these tiny little cheer uniforms. And I was a flyer and that was even worse for me. Um, I wanted to be light. And so my mindset in high school was to stay the same weight all four years. And I did not gain, I did not gain weight literally for like three years in high school. I stayed the same weight and that's not healthy. <laughs> that's really not healthy. You can't be the same weight as you are. You know, you need to develop. You're a woman. You're going through changes. You can't be the same weight. And I had that ment mentality because I wanted to be a uh, the best flyer because I wanted to be the lightest and they can throw me up in the air easily. And that just kind of declined my mental health more. And I ended up quitting cheer because I just got, I almost relapsed with my eating disorder and I caught myself and I was just like, I can't do this anymore. Um, and it was just, I just, it was not for me. So then I just quit. Um, and then flash forward to junior year. Um, I had a rough time with school. I was in three AP classes at the same time. I was an honor student. I was trying to keep up, staying the same weight, trying to um, control every aspect of my life around me. That was like my goal. And my parents are immigrants from Poland. Um, and they just have some like high standard for me. And cause we're first generation, I'm a first generation student and my sister's a doctor. My other sister's a nurse. It's like, I have high standards. Um, for the females in my family, especially. Um, so I just felt that pressure and I never felt that my parents, I never felt comfortable to open up to my mom about anything. So I kind of just hid it from her. 
and kind of just went to my friends for things, which wasn't the best. Um, so I had a boyfriend for like a month or two. We broke up. Um, I cut my hair. You know, when you cut your hair, that's like you're going through it when you cut your hair. Uh, I chopped my hair. I had a friend who was my ride or die. Um, but she was also going through um, issues at the same time as me, like mental health problems. And we were the only ones there for each other at that time. And like two people going through it can't be there for each other. Like, it's just not healthy. Um, and I just, it just became to the point where um, over time we just became like depressed together and we weren't helping each other. Um, she, I started self-harming a lot um, on my thighs and everything. And it was just not healthy. And she, my friend at the time, she was comparing her scars to mine saying, I'm more depressed. I'm, I'm going through it more. Like, you don't even understand half of it. Like, I can't even go to school. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, I'm trying. Like, I'm trying to go to school. Like, I understand you're going through it, but I'm also going through it. So that didn't help me. And it was just like, we were not there for each other. And it was just not healthy. Um, and then she would blame a lot of the stuff on me to her mom. Her, they found her like nicotine device and she blamed it on me. And that just made me more anxious and made me more. Yeah. So then flash forward to a couple of like, it was in, I'd say April, March of 2018. Yes. 2018 or 2019 and I was at a soccer game and I was playing so good and my coach saw my leg my coach saw my leg and he was like what is that and I was like nothing like what do you mean like I don't know what you're talking about and that moment, I, I was so scared. And he was like, we're talking after the game. He's like, you're not leaving. And I was like, oh, my God. So then I leave. I just, like, <laughs> after the game, I'm just running. I run to my car and I just zoom. Because I'm like, out I don't want to. Yeah, I'm like, I need to get out of this situation. Like. And he, I, he didn't confront me cause he knows, he knew I was uncomfortable, but like my coach was like, uh, like a lot, like a role model in my life. Um, he really was there for me. He tried to make me a better soccer player and he just, he was just a very good person. Um, so I always got, I got out of that situation and I, 
just remember feeling like it was the end of the world. I was just like, this is it for me. My mom finds out it's done for me. Like, what are people going to do when they find out? Like, I was just like overthinking everything. So I told my mom, I'm like, I don't want to, like, I don't have like class or something in the morning. I'm just going to sleep in. Like I'm tired from soccer. So then I told her that. And then I tried taking more, a lot of my like anxiety pills to try to overdose. And I woke up the next morning, like in the afternoon, like groggy and it just didn't work. Thank God. Um, but it was just, I felt there was no other choice in the situation, but looking back at it, there was, and I'm happy that, you know, my pills just made me groggy and it was nothing more than that. And so flash forward, I still was just mega depressed now, I would say, and I went to this game, a soccer game, and it was it was an away game. And I was playing so good because I channeled my like anger and sadness into soccer and being aggressive and all of that. And I just remember looking in the middle of like halftime. I was like, why is my mom in the crowd? I didn't tell her we had a game. I didn't tell her where. I was like, why is she in the crowd watching this game right now? And I just remember freaking out during the game. I was like, oh, my God. Like, I'm going to, like, think happy thoughts. Yeah. Um, but also, I remember before the game, I forgot to add this, but before the game, my coach um, pulled me aside and he was like, Hey, Ellie, you want to um, tell me anything? And I was like, nope, got nothing to talk about. And he was like, are you sure? And he was like looking at my leg. I then looked back up at me and I was like, yeah, no, I'm good. And he's like, all right. And I noticed he was on the phone for a long time. And I asked my friends, my friend was coordinating this thing with my coach the entire time. And I did not know that. I did not know that at the time. And she was like, oh yeah, it's just, you know, the, the principal, there's just like something wrong with like the staffing or whatever. I don't know. She made up an excuse and I was like, oh, okay. So that's why my mom was in the crowd. <laughs> he was on the phone with my mother or someone. And after the game, my mom's like, Ellie, why don't you just drive home with me? You know, let's let's talk. Ride home with me. And I was like, nope, I'm going on the bus. I'm going on the bus. And the coach was like, no, you should go home with your mom. And, you know, and my friend was like, no, you should go home with your mom, too. And I was like, nope. So I ran on the bus. I literally, like, ran on the bus. I ran away from them. I just ran from the situation. Went on the bus covered myself in my big jacket and just laid there sobbing. And everyone was just like, what is going on? 
And I just like wanted to run away from the situation. Um, so I did. And then I got, when the bus got back to school, everyone was like circling me. They're like, you're not driving home. Like, we're going to drive you. We don't trust you driving. And I'm like, that just made me more mad. That just made me like furious. Like I just personally looking back at it, I don't think they handled it the right way. I felt like they should have made it, you know, more comfortable because I was already scared and livid and just like, but they were, they were there for me. So we ended up, I ended up driving home because I'm a pretty stubborn person. You can't make me just, you know, I'm like, I'm driving home. So we drive, I'm driving home and my friend's following me and my mom's following me. And so I get back home. I don't want to talk to anyone. My friend comes into my room, sits with me on my bed and makes me like talk to her. And I refuse to tell her anything. I was like, mad at her I was like why would you do this to me and she's like let's take a walk she's like I think you need to take a walk to refresh your mind and so we go on a walk outside I have a little cul-de-sac so we just like walked around there and she wanted she told me the reasons why she is helping me and she was crying she was sobbing and I was like oh my God. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, I'm being so stubborn right now. I'm like, there's people that care about me. Um, so after that night, my friend really just showed that like everyone does care about me. And I'm like, maybe I do need some help, but I really wasn't committed just yet. I just was thinking like, oh, they really do care about me. So the next day I got taken out of psych class. How ironic. <laughs> and my counselor was just like, I loved that counselor. Um, she was just, you know, like she helped me a lot throughout the process. But she, the first time I met her, she was like, hey, like your coach and your teachers brought this to my attention. And she basically made me, she asked the basic questions. Do you harm yourself? Do you harm others? All of those basic questions. And in my head, I could have said no to those questions, but I had a crying voice inside me saying, you need to say yes. You need to be honest. You can't just run away from everything. And like, even if I do say yes, even if I go in for an evaluation at the behavioral health hospital, like I don't have to go through with it, but like just say yes right now. And so I said yes. And she was very, very supportive. And she's like, I don't have to tell your parents right now, but I want you to tell your parents she goes like I want you she's like I'm going to give you all the information for an evaluation and I want you to go to your parents and you know talk to them about that and I was like oh girl <laughs> I was like okay uh but 
I did talk to my mom and my mom obviously was worried for me. And so I was like, okay, I think I should go in for an evaluation. So I went in, I got an evaluation at the same hospital that I was previously for my eating disorder. So I was embarrassed to be back for round two. Um, And throughout this program, when I initially went in, I was so close-minded. I was like, I'm only here because my parents and my teachers want me to be here. I don't want to get better. I just kind of went along with the motions. And my therapist, I'm going to name her. I'm going to, her name's Bree. Because this woman was the angel, like my guardian angel in this program. I, she literally saved my life, literally. And she was, she was just, she looked at me as more than a patient. She looked at me as a human, as a person, as a friend. Like I felt like I was a friend of hers that she cared about. And she knew that I was just going through the motions and she would like pull me aside. And I just felt so loved by her. And I, I loved her so much. Like she helped me throughout this program and she had a talk with me and my mom. We had like a meeting and she saw I wasn't getting better. And she goes, I have a room for inpatient right now, or it's residential. She gave me an option. She gave me two options. And that's what I needed at the time. I needed that option. I, I didn't need a therapist that would just let me slide by in PHP, not wanting to be there. She gave me two options. She goes, you're, I know you're not okay right now. And so I was like, fine, I guess I'll take the bed. And, you know, I was really pissed off. I was, but I took the chance and it went up there. Um, And, you know, it's very strict. It's very strict. I didn't have a lot of control up there. And like in the speech I gave at my meeting, I didn't need that control. They took away my sense of control. And that's what I needed. I didn't need to be in control all the time. And I didn't have my phone. I didn't have all my daily necessities that I thought I needed But in reality, all I needed was myself to be happy. And I didn't see that. And my therapist in the program from PHP, we had like free time and she came up to inpatient to visit me during my free time. And I literally, that showed me so much how much she cared about me. And I was like, I sobbed when she got up there because it's like seeing a friendly face. Like I didn't know any of the nurses up there. I didn't know anyone. Like I was in a room with like a bunch of other random patients that were there for similar reasons. And, you know, I eventually became friends with them, but like it was scary. And it's like they threw me in a bed with a roommate that I didn't know. And it was like literally the scariest thing. And it's like, I went through that as a seventh grader, but like now it's just like, 
it was scary again. Like it's always still going to be scary. And so seeing a similar face and her just like come up there and visit me, like it was just, I don't know. It just helped me so much. Um, so throughout that program, um, I saw that life is just more than all the problems and all the schooling and all the work and all the priorities that we have to do. Life is beautiful. And it's just, I saw that like laughing and doing art and journaling and taking time for yourself and really focusing on your mental health and making sure you're okay is really important. And I saw that there's more to life than all my daily stresses and I don't have to be swallowed up by them and I can take a break from, from all of it and just channel back to my real self and just calm down. Wow. So yeah, I left that program and ever since I took up weightlifting to help me refocus on, you know, back to my eating disorder past kind of, mm -hmm. because, you know, I still was struggling with my eating disorder while I was in that program for my depression and all of that. Um, so I picked up weightlifting to help me um, not care about calories and staying the same weight. I saw food as nutrition and as fuel and to help me build muscle and to build curves and feel good and look good at the same time. And I don't see weight as a bad thing at all. I think weight is good. And I think food is food is fuel. And when I look back at myself, looking at all the calories and all the, you know, finding the lowest calorie option on the menu, I was just missing out on all of life's joys and little moments and just enjoying good food with family and friends. And I missed out on that. And now I don't care. I just do everything in moderation and I'm happy. I have balance in my life. Um, and I just see life as more than the problems that come with it. I used to think that life was just the problems that I faced and there was nothing more behind that. But I realized there's people there for me. There's people that care about me, that love me, that will always be there for me. And most importantly, I have myself. And at the end of the day, you're only gonna have yourself. Yes. So if you, don't, if you don't take care of yourself, right now and you don't really listen to your body your life is just going to drag by you're not going to really appreciate life's moments and you're going to get caught into depression and all of that and i just you know people ask me how are you surviving orgo and i'm just like i take a deep <laughs> breath yeah yeah do it so wow that's my little story. <laughs> wow. That's not a little story. That's, that's a beautiful story. And, and honestly, you are 100% proof that recovery is possible and you should be really, really proud of yourself because it's a, that takes a lot of courage to even 
take those steps towards recovery, but also stick with it. So you are, yeah, you are a living, living, walking miracle. And you should, you should be really proud of that because you did that just by being you and working hard towards it. So you should be really, really proud. Thank you. Yeah. And I, I know it couldn't have been easy, especially you were so young when you were going through these things. And, and that's something I remembered too. You know, I, I also had a friend when I was 13 years old that we went through a lot of similar issues and we both struggled with self-harm and we both struggled with just depression and anxiety and, and bullying and a lot of things. And, you know, I just remember being that age and thinking we're so young to be going through this. And that has always stuck with me today. Just to understand that, you know, 12, 13 years old, that, that's, it's just so young, you know, and so many people are struggling with this, especially young women. And I know eating disorder awareness week is actually coming up. So I, I definitely want to give, give a huge shout out to anyone who, who battles an eating disorder every day, because your, your disorder can hit, but you hit back. And that makes you a damn warrior. So you should be really proud. And anyone who's listening, if, if you battle an eating disorder, you are a warrior and don't forget that recovery is possible. So, um, I know as we're, as we're kind of wrapping things up here, Elliot, I want to get your thoughts on this. I know there are a lot of people who listen to my podcast and they have their own issues, you know, and, and kind of like you said, you know, might just only see the problems in life, might only just see the weight, the heaviness, the trauma that is involved with living. What advice would you give someone who's in the suck and is trying to survive their way through it? My advice is just to hold on, Mm. just to not do anything, but to hold on, just hang in there because it does get better. And I hung in there and I went through the process and I felt all the emotions and you need to feel all the emotions to see the light. Mm -hmm. You need to go through what you grow through or grow through what you go through. Yes. I love that. I think that's really important. And I just think that just hanging in there, you're going to, you're never going to regret that decision. Mm. You're going to go flash forward to life. You're going to be like, wow, if I didn't just hang in there, like I wouldn't be here today. Mm. So things get better. It just takes time and it takes you you need to really, this is, this was my advice to other people um, in my program at the time. I said, if you don't wholeheartedly commit to you getting better, no one else will. You, no one else can make you get better. It's just you. Yeah. Because you control your actions, your mind, your body, everything, and no one can force you to get better. You can only force yourself to get better. Mm-hmm. So if you're just going through a lot right now and you just don't know what to do, just hang in there and just try to av- like avoid yourself or not avoid. Um, leave the situation. Mm-hmm. Just try to leave the situation that's making you feel anxious, depressed, and just color, work out, do something that will get your mind off of it and channel your anger, your thoughts, journal, something like that, and just hang in there. 
Mm, I love that. I love that. Cause that, that almost speaks to triggers, you know, Mm -hmm. anytime you're triggered by something that maybe might, you know, spark something with your eating disorder or, you know, for me with my depression or self-harm, whenever there's triggers, I try really hard. Like you said, that was a perfect way to describe it, to leave that, just turn away from it, do something else, distract yourself. And my counselor always told me, you know, even if you don't feel okay, just keep telling yourself that you are okay. Just keep telling yourself that because there's things in the brain that it will, it will remind you of those things. And so I love that. Just hang in there, just hang in there because hold on, you know, life is so worth it. And you're so right. It, it's so beautiful. And, you know, there, there's going to be so much pain in our lives. There's going to be hills and there's going to be valleys, but the most important thing is that we stay because there's never going to be another you mm-hmm. and we can't replace you. And you are on this earth to do something with the life that you've been given. And don't ever lose sight of that. So, yeah, I I just love that so much. Your story just continuously inspires me because you've been through the hills and the valleys for sure. And you are still here. And that's something to be really, really proud of. You have survived the suck. Yes. And you're still surviving every day. But I think you've gotten to a place where you're thriving in it. So that's pretty amazing. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. I I hope everyone who's listening to this that you understand that even if you're in the suck, you can get to the other side. You know, Ellie was there. She's on the other side of it. I feel like I've been there. I feel like I'm finally on the other side of it. And you can get to a place where you feel peace and contentment. And that that's, you know, I just remember there were days that I didn't have that. And I was felt like I was scratching at the surface to get any kind of peace in my life or any time, kind of joy in my life when I just couldn't find it. And something that I had a conversation with someone about a few days ago, and I'm going to share it with you and our audience, Ellie, is wherever you find hope, just keep going back there. No matter what that is, if you feel hope around your friends, your family, whether it's church or it's, you know, maybe it's a program that you're involved with or whatever it is, gray matters, whatever it is, wherever you find hope, keep going back there. Because you need to fill your life with hope and you have to find that balance because there's so much pain in this world and you have to be responsible to make sure that your life is filled with enough hope and joy to keep you moving through it. So just hold on. Like Ellie said, I love that. So thank you for coming on the podcast today and for sharing your story. So vulnerable, so strong. And I just know so many people listening are going to be extremely inspired by you. So I'm inspired by you and I just can't thank you enough. It was beautiful. I enjoyed being your guest on your podcast. I love sharing my story. If I can just help one person um, just hang in there, then that's all that matters to me. That's just, that's enough for me. So Oh, I love that. You are a starfish thrower. You're just all about the one making a difference to that one. And when you make a difference to that one, you change their world and they're able to turn around and change someone else's. So that's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. And to everyone listening, go be a starfish thrower today. Go do something kind for someone. And even if that person is you change your world, do something nice for you because you deserve it. So if you're struggling, do something nice for, for yourself. If you feel like you're in a good place, do something nice for someone else because the world needs more hope, light, love, and joy.
So thank you, Ellie, again, for sharing your story with us. It was beautiful, amazing. And thank you everyone who's listening. I hope you continue to survive the suck. If you need extra help, reach out. We're here for you. We love you. We're rooting for you. And like Ellie said, just hang in there. We love you guys. Be safe. Enjoy the cold weather if you're in the Midwest. Hopefully we're going to be getting some sunlight here every day. We're moving towards more sun in our day. And that's something to look forward to. So we love you guys. Rooting for you. Hang in there and keep surviving the suck.